When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to the 154th episode of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. Brought to you by me, your host, Mac B. The Wolf. And I will be joined, as always, by my cohort and partner in crime, Gary Action Jackson from the East Coast of the United States of America. And we appreciate those who tuned in to our most recent episode on seeing Kiss live for the last time in Cincinnati on the End of the Road Tour, where me and the Wolf Cub, we had a great time just kicking back, watching stuff explode, watching her favorite band do their show. Yes, I've seen it before. Yes, it's not the same as it was 20, 30 years ago. Whatever. It's fun. If you don't have fun at a kid's show, it's your own fault. And my nine-year-old had fun, and I had a lot of fun, too. And also, last week, we put out First Concert Memories 4, talking to our buddy Sonny Pooney from Growing Up Rock about the first time he saw Ace Fraley live back in 1987. Kiss fans got an abundance of riches from us over the Halloween week. But this week, we're kind of going back to our 80s early MTV roots to review an album that really blew up here in America. Didn't do that well in the UK, despite the fact that the artist is English, and that's Billy Idol's Rebel Yell. Released November 10th, 1983, Rebel Yell went double platinum in the US on the back of four singles, the title track, Eyes Without a Face, Flesh for Fantasy, and Catch My Fall. But the real story of Rebel Yell can't really be told without MTV. Because of Billy's snarling look, always having his shirt off, spiked hair, combined with his black leather super rock star look of guitarist and co-writer Steve Stevens, they had an image that MTV could sell. And MTV needed something to show 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was often very sexual. It sometimes caused controversy. But that just gets more press and gets you on MTV more. And these videos were a key part as a U.S. rock fan of understanding who Billy Idol was and accepting him into pop culture. He'd already been big with White Wedding, but this kind of solidified him as a bona fide star in the U.S., I feel like even more so than in the U.K. He was in a punk band called Generation X, and I don't know if the U.K. said, okay, he's punk, we don't need more of him, but he really did kind of reposition himself as a male solo entertaining performer more than just the front man of some punk band. And so we're going to go track by track on this one as it turns 40. First, we have a little bit of business to take care of. We always like to mention that we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network, family of about 100 or more shows about music, all genres. There really is something in there for everyone. And you can check out more at PantheonPodcast.com or follow them at Pantheon Pods. And we have to talk about our sponsor, RareVinyl.com, because it's the holidays, guys. You've got stuff to get for people, and you want to find them something special. But if you're like me at my age, you know the only way you're going to get something that you really want is if you go out and get it yourself and then take it to your partner and say, here, honey, wrap this up, put it from you to me on it. And then that way you make sure you get the box set or the rare record or whatever it is that you're looking for. And rarevinyl.com probably has it. They've got over a quarter million items in stock and they ship all over the world. They've been doing this 40 years 
They're great folks. They take great care to procure this stuff, to catalog it, and to make sure it gets to you in the condition in which it's advertised. And the great part is I've got a one-time code for you to use UGLY, U-G-L-Y, and if you use it, you can save 10% off your orders. So you got to buy hundreds and hundreds of quid or dollars or lira or euros or yen or pesos or whatever it is that you use to purchase things. You got all that to buy for folks. Go to rarevinyl.com and then use the code UGLY. You're going to get 10% knocked off your order, maybe enough to get rid of all the shipping charges altogether. They've got rare stuff. They've got imports from all over the world. They've got tour programs, point of sale items from record stores, all sorts of great stuff. Go to rarevinyl.com, use that code UGLY, and save 10%. Now back to Billy Idol. He's kind of a bridge from punk into the new wave 80s. Thanks to Steve Stevens, he kind of kept that hard rock edge, but it went past the punks who maybe couldn't play a whole lot. Steve's an amazing artist, and really kind of took him in the right direction. Poppy, sure but still maintaining that rock sensibility really caught on here in America and has propelled him to be a star still to this day. So why don't we go ahead and jump into it? This is me in action talking about Billy Idol's Rebel Yell as it turns 40 right here on The Wolf. So when you told me Rebel Yell was turning 40, Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, that must make me like 50. <laughs> but I already knew that, you see. I already knew that I was 50. But it must be tough for someone like Billy Idol, who, you know, his image is all about being like a young punk with the spiked up blonde hair. And suddenly mm-hmm. it's like, well, now you got a six at the front of your age, man. Are you still like a young punk? I mean, can you still sell that? Well, you would think probably most people his age couldn't. But I mean, I've seen fairly recent pictures of him and he's kind of grown into like this crusty he's still a rock star but yeah Mm -hmm. now it's just like he's kind of this greasy you know he's still got the punk but i think he he probably looks better than most guys his age probably yeah because he has the money to help take care of that stuff correct although it is funny because now he posts stuff about hanging out with his grandkids i know i've seen that i'm like But he's probably one of those guys that, like, back in the day, he maybe wasn't a great father just because he was busy, he had a certain lifestyle, but now he's probably a doting grandfather. That's what it looks like in these videos. He loves, you know, he's got got the kids on the swing or they're running around his house and he seems like he's having the time of his life. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, because we're 10 in 1983, we didn't know anything about Generation X or or punk rock. Yeah, or punk rock. (laughs) At all. Like, we don't know who the Sex Pistols are at 10. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know. We Maybe we knew who the Clash were, but they were kind of a different band by the time we may have heard Rock the Casbah. You know, right. it, that's, that's not quite the same version of the Clash. So, yeah. So, I mean, the first time we ever saw Billy Idol or had any awareness of him was MTV. And I feel like this is where some of the dichotomy between who makes it in the U.S. versus who makes it in the U.K. around that time comes into play. Because, obviously, he's an English artist. But this album was double platinum. You know, sold over 2 million copies in the U.S. And it sold, like, 60,000 copies in England. Huh. Interesting. Because, you know, obviously, if it gets in the top 40, then you might see some of his video on Top of the Pops. But they played the snot out of these videos on MTV. I mean, they're in heavy-duty rotation. So even if they didn't climb up the charts, if you watched MTV, you'd have thought these were top 20 songs. Right. 
And I was a little confused. I honestly got thought that Dancing with Myself was off this record, which it wasn't. It was it came out in 1981. Right. But it looks like his 1982 album, Billy Idol, mm-hmm. was re-released in 83 and included that track. So because I, I remember I remember seeing that video all the time. Oh yeah. And so that's what it was. So basically he in the US he had another single off of this, technically. So he was, uh, he was in the, because yeah, like I said, I remember seeing it in heavy rotation at that same time with, you know, the one where he gets electrocuted and yeah. at the end, which I always thought was cool as a, as a 10-year-old, like, yeah, this guy rules. He's getting electrocuted. <laughs> so let's go back to the 10-year-old action Jackson there. Mm-hmm. You see this guy and you think instantly, oh, he's cool? I think so, yeah, because I think that, you know, he's got the leather, he's got the look, there's, you know, the girls in the video who yeah. are, you know, the the rock and roll leather clad chicks. And again, it goes back to the fact that you knew he was English and you, he right. had that extra coolness because that's where, you know, he kind of brought that that attitude across the pond. Yeah, but apparently to the English, they didn't appreciate that attitude very much. Well, you know what? They lost out then. <laughs> And maybe it's a class thing. I don't know. Uh, Or maybe it's like, hey, you were punk. We put you in this punk drawer and that's where you need to stay. Now you Mm want to be, you know, not Lionel Richie, but you want to be, you know, like a a front man solo artist. More of a mainstream thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's not you. You you fit into this box. And I feel like people are like that in America, but I feel like it's worse in Britain. Right. And and to your point before, the only reason we knew who he was was because of MTV. I don't remember hearing these songs on the radio as a kid, but he, he was in heavy rotation. So maybe in the UK, if you were our age there and you didn't have videos, mm-hmm. you didn't know about him at all. Yeah. And again, I feel badly for our friends in the UK. I mean, to grow up without MTV in the early 80s. I mean, it's that's, terrible. I mean, it's I, child I, abuse. I, yeah, no, I can't fathom it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's horrible. It's like I need to send money to you or something like that you know like 78 cents a month or something like that please help um, you know only you uh, can help <laughs> you know I, it such an important part and yeah so his videos were stylish i gotta tell you i didn't really love billy idol because i thought that sneer made him look mean or kind of mm. angry or whatever and that spiked hair i'm like i would never have my hair spiked like that and i wouldn't but then he had Steve Stevens with him in every video. And mm-hmm. He had the jet black hair. And that I was like, okay, now that guy is cool. You know, he's mm-hmm. playing that cool guitar. He's got the jet black hair. He's all right. This Billy guy, eh, I'm not so sure about him. Now, as I got <laughs> older, I came to appreciate him a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, White Wedding, I remember being the one that was the first just all over MTV. Okay. Before Dancing from, With Myself, yeah. before anything off of Rebel Yell, I remember White Wedding when they're pounding the nails into the coffin and stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember that one vividly. And then and then he's a star, and so then you get more videos. But these videos, we'll get into them. Maybe Catch My Fall isn't a great video, but the rest of them are pretty well produced. <laughs> you know, there's definitely some money behind them, mm-hmm. maybe kind of telling a story, but... Yeah, I mean, I had no idea who Billy Idol was before MTV. And then, like, after he got through this kind of initial stage, that whole Rock the Cradle of Love song that was so huge. Mm-hmm. Yes. Off the adventures of Ford Fairlane. Mm-hmm. The song was bigger than the movie and is partly because of the video. Right, right. And then it was, you know, he was back in the in the, in the the pop social conscious at that point in time. And I think everybody said, oh, yeah, I remember him. 
And so he kind of, and then he was in uh, a couple of years later, he was in the wedding singer, which was kind of funny on the plane, you know, saying, I always think about that when I read um, articles of people acting a fool of mm-hmm. him in the, on the plane, him saying, because we let our first class passengers do whatever they want. Pretty much whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> he was also in the Doors movie in between that. Oh, that's right. But, you know, he, I think he actually tried to become Jim Morrison and he had like, He'd bust up of his leg or something like he's in crutches in the movie. Yeah. And Oliver Stone's like, okay, well, you did great and we love you, but you can't be Jim Morrison. I mean, we just can't get over that accent and, you know, you're lame. You know, I mean, we can't we can't have Jim hobbling around on crutches because he just that wasn't who he was. So but yeah, I mean, he became a, a huge sex symbol. And I mean, I feel like this whole album is about sex. I believe so. Yes. I mean, in quote unquote reading between the lines, you don't really have to read between them. You can just read them. <laughs> and that's what it seems to be about. But I, I forgot about that too. In, in reading for this, that uh, motorcycle accident that he was in right around the time of the doors, he damn near lost his leg. Yeah. I mean, it was bad. And I think he spent a long time rehabbing that to get back to where he, I mean, he looks okay now, but that was, yeah. that must've been a very harrowing time in his life. Well, and I, that's part of why in the, uh, I'm about to call it the Ford Fairlane video, and it was kind of a Ford Fairlane video at first. I think they cut another version because the song Rock the Cradle Love actually did better than the movie. Like, it was mm-hmm. on the charts longer than the movie was in the top <laughs> ten or whatever. It's kind of an MTV generation movie with Andrew Dice Clay playing a rock and roll detective with some cameos from some rock stars in there. But even the, in the video, they had to shoot it a certain way because he was hobbling at that point, so they... They kind of shot it in such a way so he wasn't like the focus and like the model mm. girl was a focus and he was just kind of like in a painting on the wall or whatever uh, yeah. and not moving much because, yeah, that motorcycle accident damn near killed him. But, I mean, you go back and listen to Gen X, you don't necessarily think, oh, well, this guy could, could be a, a pop star in his own right. It, it, it doesn't really translate to me. Well, and I think that's that's what it comes down to. The real reason that we're here, as much as I love Billy Idol, the reason this record works, especially for us, is Steve Stevens. Mm-hmm. And and when you when you there are a couple of tracks that are kind of simple, but then there are a couple of tracks where there's a lot going on. Yeah. So I think even though it was always the you know Billy Idol was out in front, especially for the album before this and then Rebel Yell, it's Steve Stevens is kind of the the mastermind in my opinion of this sound. Absolutely true. You're right about that. And I didn't realize before doing research for this, Steve, I mean, we know he's the lead guitar player and he probably helped with some lyrics along the way if Billy asked, but he played a lot of keyboards and synths on this mm-hmm. record. He really is a musician and he won a Grammy. What did he win a Grammy for? He won a Grammy for something. And I'm like, well, and, and not that it's, you know, so hard to win a Grammy, right? I mean, you know, Quincy Jones has like 30 of them or whatever, 28. <laughs> Couldn't be that hard, right? Um, but no, I'm just kidding, Quincy. Yeah, you're amazing. Oh, it was it was the Top Gun anthem. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, best pop instrumental performance in 1987. You know, um, so but I mean, he because of this. I mean, he has played for a lot of people. He's mostly associated with Billy Idol for obvious reasons. But mm-hmm. you know, he did Dirty Diana, I think, with Michael Jackson, and that obviously is always big. He worked with Rick Ocasek, Robert Palmer. But I remember 
when Vince Neil either quit or was kicked out of Motley Crue. Depending on who you talk to. Yeah. Still, we don't have the exact mm-hmm. details on that. He formed a band called uh, Vince Neil and the Atomic Playboys, and Stevens was a part of that. And I assume uh, he I'm gonna, helped. I'm going to have to say I don't think that's I don't think that's true. I think that it was no. The Atomic Playboys was just it was Steve Stevens and a couple other guys. He did play on that Vince Neil record, his solo record. Oh, but the story that I heard with that was that he they asked him, "Hey, Steve, you want to come down and play with Vince?" And he's like, "Okay, sounds great." Mm-hmm. Shows up, and he's like, "Okay, so wh- where's the stuff?" Well, here's the thing, Steve. We don't have any stuff. Can yeah. you write it for us also? So he's, he's like, okay, Vince so Neil you have, yeah. doesn't write anyway. He doesn't even write the lyrics. No. You know, <laughs> he can't no, even no, write, no, no. basically. No, you're so, right. Yeah. Steve Stevens and the Atomic Playboys, that was his side Correct. thing. And yeah. the, the album cover was done by our buddy H.R. Geiger, who did Brain Salad Surgery. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, by, by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer and did Alien, you know, back in the day. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, no, no, you're right. But then- Vince Neil needed him to help. And so he he helped. Yeah. <laughs> he helped Vince Neil. He did. But I mean, what, as what much I didn't realize, help as you give him. <laughs> what I didn't realize either is that after this record, they, they kind of went their separate ways, Steve and Billy, for a while. Mm-hmm. And then um, they, they would come together, back together later, and are still together today. And somebody was telling me they, they were at the um, Super Bowl, what was it, last year, the year before with Molly Cyrus? Okay. And somebody made the comment, oh, hey, you know, it's it's great that he he still has Steve Stevens with him. I'm like, yeah, because he understands that's the secret sauce. Yeah. He's he, you know, he can be out front. He can be the the face and the voice of this. But if you want content, you need Steve Stevens. Right. You want to hear the music. You've got to have Steve. Stevens. Correct. That, that's yeah. for sure. And, and just the level of his musicianship shows he was in a band, you know, 25 years ago, a power trio. Bozio Levin Stevens with Terry mm-hmm. Bozio and Tony Levin. Tony Levin, who's one of the best bass players in the world, plays in King Crimson, mm-hmm. has played with all sorts of people. I think he's out on tour with Peter Gabriel right now. And then Terry Bozio, I guess he's probably best known for missing persons, but I mean, he's played with Frank Zappa, he's played with Steve Vai, he played with Jeff Beck. He's mm-hmm. he's the real deal. Yeah. And so, I mean, just that trio, there's so much talent right there. That's That's just who he is. But yeah, I mean- He's the songwriter from New York City, right? He's the one who makes all this stuff happen. And so, yeah, I mean, you can't have, to me, you can't have solo Billy Idol without talking Steve Stevens. They're they're a matched pair. Correct. I I think he was probably the, I mean, I guess you would call musical director on this one, putting everything together. In, up to and including, I think the drums were all originally done on their programs. So I would imagine he did those too. And then later on, they brought in a drummer to kind of fill in on a couple of these tracks. But yeah, and you know, that's that's the great thing about recording. I mean, you know, get a get a baseline and then okay, then we can get in someone who can really play, you know, just give us right. give us a track that we can record to and then we can figure it out from there. Few different bass players. I mean, Steve played a little bass on this. Steve Webster played bass. Sal Cuevas played bass on Eyes Without a Face and then Phil Fate played bass on some of the session takes before they brought someone in to really kind of clean them up. So looks like bass was kind of the missing piece for a lot of these. Like, Steve, I, I could put something down so we have something right. to go by. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there needs to be someone else. Also, they put Judy D. Dozier on the keyboards. You see her in the Rebel Yell video. And Billy often had a female keyboard player in his band. If you remember mm-hmm. the Moni Moni video, He's up there, like, you know, rubbing up against her during the, 
Yeah. Oh, that's I'll right. Yeah. Moan. And she was pretty yeah. cute too. I don't think that was Judy. I think that was somebody else. But anyway, you know, it's probably tough to be in Billy's band as a woman considering all the just like dirty, dirty girls who would be in and out <laughs> backstage, especially that time. I saw a, an interview with Billy on MTV. It might have been during his uh, VH1 behind the music. But, you know, they clip in there. It's like, yeah, man, there's so much VD on the tour. It's really bringing everybody down. <laughs> Like, you know, to be honest with you, I believe that. I believe that 100%. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because Billy, yeah, he seems like a hound. And then, well, of course, Steve Stevens is married to now Josie. Mm-hmm. Playboy playmate. And I guess we'd have to call her a uh, fashion designer. Although there are very few women in the world who actually wear the stuff she designs. <laughs> well, that's, you know. There are very few women that can wear that, so... And that's what I said, yeah, but who can wear it? I mean, anyone can buy it, but who can actually fit into it? Because no one's made like Josie Stevens is, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, Josie, hey, you keep up your work on social media. We will continue to follow. Absolutely. And and the great thing about Steve Stevens is that I've never seen him in interviews or anything else not looking like a rock star. Like That's he's right. never like in sweats and a t-shirt. He's always dressed to the nines, hair done, nails are always done. And th the way that he talks about about writing music, mm -hmm. he's you, you can tell that he's classically trained. Like he knows how to put things together, like write music, arrange music. So I think having somebody like that on a record like this... It brings it to the next level. It's not just, you know, bass, guitar, drums. Right. There's a lot going on there. And he can, I, I would imagine that Billy was just like, go ahead and do it. Like, I'll, I'll write some lyrics for this. You put the rest of it together. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You never see him like in a ponytail. No. He is always styled for the camera, as is Billy. Like, yeah, you don't see Billy right out of the shower. You don't see him unless his hair is all spiked up, right? Right. Like, never, ever, ever, ever. I mean, except for in the movie where he had to wear a wig. Other than that, you you always see Billy Idol. He always looks like Billy Idol, mm -hmm. even in practice, even on a day off. He has to look that way. And Steve's the same way. He's a he's a twenty four karat rock star. I would say. <laughs> Hi, this is Jeff Downs. You're listening to the Ugly American Werewolf. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, All you right. want to get into this? Yeah, let's do it. Before we do, though, I just want to mention that I never owned this album. I, I didn't either, no. But I did, while we were in college, pick up Vital Idol. Okay. Used uh, at Park Avenue CDs, because it's kind of his greatest hits album. However, it does not have Rebel Yell on it, nor does it have Eyes Without a Face. Starting to sound less like a greatest hits record now. I mean, well, it's got, and I think maybe it was, uh, it had some remixes on it. It's got White Wedding Parts 1 and 2, so that's an eight-minute song. Money, money, hot in the city. I love that one. Yeah, dancing with myself, which of course we thought was on here. Flesh for fantasy, the long remix because it's four and a half minutes on the record. It's like seven minutes on the remix. The twelve. Okay. Minutes. To be a lover, love calling, and catch my fall. Now, catch my fall. I like the song, but is it bigger than Rebel Yell or Eyes Without a Face? I'm not so sure yeah. that it is. Interesting choice. But then, if this was a British or an English best of. Most of these songs did better in America than they did in the UK. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was just a collection of his best 12 inches or his best dance singles or whatever. Uh I, you know, whatever. All right. But let's get into it because we start off with the title track Rebel Yell coming Mm -hmm. in at 445 or so. And this is a great way to to open the open the album, man. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And I saw an, I saw an interview with Stevens, and they asked him, "When you play this live, do you have another guitar player?" You know, what do you mean? He's like, "Well, there's two parts at the beginning." He's like, "I play." He plays them both. That's right. It, and it's just when it, and then he proceeded to show the person how he did it, and it's just it's just awesome. He's plucking th- with two fingers on the bottom string and then two on the top, and playing two individual parts. And yeah, that's and then it goes into that iconic riff that he that is the song is known for. Yes. It's pretty cool. I mean, honestly, I thought, okay, Steve played the synths and the guitar at the beginning. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, no, that's all guitar. Yeah. <laughs> that's impossible. How does he do it? I saw the same thing. I'm like, damn, dude, he just came up with that. That's pretty <laughs> damn good. You know, not everyone can do that uh, because the video is kind of a performance video. There is a crowd there and mm-hmm. the band is, you know, playing on a stage doing research for this. Had no idea that I guess he saw that Mick and Keith and Ronnie Mm-hmm. We're drinking Rebel Yell whiskey. Yeah. One day he didn't know anything about the whiskey, but he liked the name, so he wrote the song based on that. Well, apparently, yeah. Apparently, he was saying he was at the party with them, and he was like, "Hey, like somebody, so, you guys gonna write a song about this?" And they're like, "What? No, why would I?" And he was like, oh, "Okay, cool." And then he went and did it because, yeah, he thought it was so cool. The, the thing that I didn't like about the video is that it looks like when he does the solo and he does like the, the phaser part out, mm-hmm. 
he grabs the whammy bar and kind of bends it oh, back. Man. That's not how that happens. And stop it. <laughs> he's got a he's got that little he's got that little plastic ray gun from I guess Japan mm-hmm. that he you put against you turn it on and then you put it against the pickup. And when you see him do it for real, not mm-hmm. for, you know in in, in, in live, uh, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And then sometimes Billy will actually come out and present it to him. Uh, oh, I see. <laughs> But I guess very the deal cool. is like they're they're from the '60s, and he like takes them apart because it's a very it's a certain one that it has to you have to have a the controls have to be on the correct side, and then the um it has you have to be able to mess with the with the frequency on it. So it was, it's a very specific model, and he's like, oh yeah, he people send them to him now, and they're all beat up, and he puts them back together, and nice. You know. <laughs> That is some in-depth research. I guess I understand why they didn't put that in the video because right. you know they want to just say, "Well, it's just something Steve can do," and here he goes, yeah. you know, with the whammy bar. But instead of bringing out an ancient toy, <laughs> confusing right? people. Yeah, exactly. But you know, you see the rest of the band in the video. Obviously, Billy and Steve are the stars out front, right? Uh, but to see is it judy on the keyboards because she's you know she's got bare midriff and she's doing her thing there she's adding some sex appeal to the whole thing while billy's you know pumping his fist and 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 doing that thing i like the song it went to number nine in top rock tracks in america and so i do remember hearing it on the radio white wedding was the one i heard the most Mm -hmm. but i remember hearing it on the radio only went to 46 in the billboard top 100 and went to 62 in the UK, which means basically nobody in the UK ever heard it. Wow. Huh. At I least not in 83. Yeah. And I, w- I wonder, were they not ready for this or what's the deal? Because, I mean, it's a pretty catchy song and it, one that you can play on the radio. I, I would be interested to see what they, why they left that off the, the rotation back then. I don't know. I mean, it's basically banked with Crank Call, uh, which is on the album. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it kind of didn't really go anywhere. Went to number three in New Zealand and seven in Australia, 10 in Canada. So there are some places where it's like he's doing pretty well. It just seems like the UK isn't really one of them. Although I think it was re-released in 85 and then it got into the top 10 in the okay. UK. And then it, you know, it had a couple hundred thousand in sales there. Uh, but when it dropped, when it was big in America, nah, nothing. No, going nowhere, basically. I don't hmm. know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Interesting. I, but, yeah, I know. It's it's weird. But Steve was doing his thing in the video, and he just, and like when he's doing the solo, he's letting people in the crowd like grab at the neck. I'm like, you don't oh, yeah, live, yeah. dude. You can't do that. <laughs> I mean, it looks good in the video, but you can't do that. Right. So you get somebody's hand on the thing, and it just goes yeah, down. Just, yeah. You know, we, we don't need that. <laughs> but she cried more, more, more. Yeah, it's because she wants to pound more, more, more. This is basically what all the songs are about. Correct, because he's so good at what he does that. <laughs> <laughs> Although you remember when we saw uh, we saw Steve Vai at the station, yeah, and he got pissed because people were trying to do that. They were trying, like, I mean, because it wasn't a big place, and I mm-hmm. guess people at the at the top were trying to like grab picks or something off, and he was just like, "Okay, listen, don't touch the equipment here. I'm right. trying to play." Yeah, I've, you know, I'll get your pick, but I can't, I can't imagine how annoying that is to, for people to try to mess with you while you're in well, the you're middle playing. of the song. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, well, I saw it on MTV. Yeah. Another guy named Steve <laughs> let us do it. So. <laughs> Americans are so fat and dumb. Anyway, <laughs> great opening track. 
Mm-hmm. Great song for Billy, Rebel Yell, right? Yeah, you betcha. Although I don't think Rebel Yell is that good. I mean, I don't drink bourbon or whiskey anymore. Mm-hmm. But to me, Rebel Yell wasn't that great stuff. I know I'm a little bit biased towards other things, but. I can't tell you that I've ever purchased it, but it's always been my understanding that that was probably what you got if the funds were a little low, but right. you still wanted to get to where you needed to go. Gut rot in yeah. <laughs> So I have a hard time believing that like that was at a party with the Stones. Okay. Well, but if it had a cool bottle though, and I seem to remember at some point Rebel Yell may have had a good bottle like or something like that. Oh, okay. Then maybe. Yeah, but, maybe they thought they were being American or something like yes, right. around. Okay. But with a name like Rebel Yell, yeah. my guess is it's politically incorrect and its sales are starting to slide, <laughs> except in the South, where the sales are probably going up. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the track two. Because mm-hmm. I like this one, Daytime Drama. I can't say this is one that I knew a heck of a lot about. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot more chill than the first song. But I like the bass on this one. And mm-hmm. it's got a nice melody to it. Yeah. I, I can't tell you that I ever heard this one before. But yeah, it, it's much more of a pop song yeah. than the first one. And that's why, and maybe, maybe that's why people had a hard time in the UK. Because like you think of Idol as this punk person. But it, so far, you're 0 for 2 on anything being close to punk. Instead of yelling on this one, he's more crooning. Yeah. 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 No, this is more him. Like I'm out. I'm a singer. I'm not just Mm -hmm. a rebel. Yeah. yeah, You know, it's like, no, I I am actually singing about, but what is he singing about? Uh, To me, he's singing about a soap opera star. Yeah. Is he jerking off to her? (laughs) Is he trying now that he's famous? Is he trying to, you know, make a a beeline to her somehow? It, it, It sounds like the former. It sounds like. Oh, I watch you during the day, and ugh, I can't wait to rub one out <laughs> to you, Susan Lucci, or whoever it may be. Although, I do remember that, that, not that I've ever watched one episode of any of those things, but I remember back in that time, those were huge deals. Yeah. Like, you know, you'd, you'd have some kind of, you know, like you'd go to the, the grocery store, and they'd have, you know, big things about the what was going on on the general hospital or whatever. And I'm like, I guess people watch the hell out of these things. Yeah. So, all right. So I was, you know, because both my parents worked, sometimes I would get uh, pawned off onto my grandmother. Uh-huh. And of course, grandmothers love stuff like soap operas. So I was forced to watch Days of Our Lives. And so I'm like, oh my uh, God, I can't believe I have to watch Days of Our Lives. Yeah. After a week, Days of Our Lives is my favorite fucking show. <laughs> Plus, you have to get home to find out what's going to happen. Pretty much, you know. And then, <laughs> plus, on Days of Lives, had this like 18, 19 year old girl called Christian Alfonso. She played Hope. And for all I know, she still does. Like, she played, <laughs> seriously, she played Hope for like 30 or 40 years. It was Bo and Hope. Bo was this guy with a black beard who she was in love with. And uh, she literally started on the show when she was 18 and smoking hot. I mean, mm-hmm. the hottest girl, hotter than movie stars hot. And then, like, she was 30 and she was still smoking. And then she was 40 and she was still smoking. Look up Christian Alfonso. You won't be disappointed. Now, if he's talking about her, I 
get it. Okay. And a lot of okay. hot, a lot of hotties start out on on soap operas. I mean, you mm. know, I think Meg Ryan, you know, was on something, you know, before she whatever. I think Morgan Fairchild was on. You know, I mean, it's like it, it's it's a good place to put beautiful girls, give them some acting, and then if they're not working out, you just kill them off. You they drop a safe on their head or whatever happens. But they go into a coma opera. or something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> lots lots of comas on soap operas. <laughs> But I I mean, I I don't know. The British soap operas, I don't know anything about them. Yeah, what I don't understand is how could you be on a soap opera for like 25 or 30 years and still be a horrible actor? Like you (laughs) thought you would have picked up a couple of pointers in that time. From whom? Yeah, (laughs) well. (laughs) (laughs) But that is funny though. You go on like IMDb and you see they're in like 13,000 episodes or something. Right, yeah. And then like, or you'd see them and like, they get into movies, but they get into like Cinemax late night movies, you know, it was like, my mom's like, oh, that's Phyllis. I'm like, that hooker that I saw at Cinemax at midnight last (laughs) night, she's on your, she's on your soap opera. That's horrible. That's, but those, I guess that's their option. I don't know. Anyway, I like daytime drama, kind of a fun song. It was a B side to one of these songs. I mean, look, there's nine songs on the record and there's four singles. So and I feel like they didn't record a ton of extra stuff for this one. In fact, hmm. it, it feel like they had to kind of push to kind of get what they got in some ways. I think it was the B-side to Catch My Fall, okay. which was the last, the, the final, the fourth single on the record, which was released November uh, of 1984. But still, I mean, look at that. This comes out in November. The album comes out in November of 83. Rebel Yell is released in October of 83, you know, to kind of get some excitement going for the album. Mm. But Catch My Fall then comes out in November of 84. So this is another one. You have enough singles and videos and you can kind of ride it for you. Now, to your point, Jackson, 24th of October, 83 is Rebel Yell. Second single, Eyes Without a Face, is May 29th, 84. So October 24th, 83 to May 29th, 84. That's a big gap in there. Mm-hmm. Is that because Dancing With Myself hit it big in America in the spring of 84? It could have been. Yeah. And then you just say to yourself, well, you've got heat from this other song. So just keep that, keep the other one on the shelf until it kind of dies down a little bit. And then go from there because you wanted to just, yeah, you want to just spread it out so that one, once the uh, one that's on the chart starts to fall there, okay, here's another one for you. So it would be dumb to put out basically two at the same time. Okay. It was a Gen X song. Mm -hmm. And then Billy kind of reworked it and re-released it for himself, released it in 1981. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I feel like it was... It was kind of like Duran Duran did the same thing, right? Their first album comes out in America. It doesn't do amazing. It does okay. So then once Rio is doing well, then they can re-release the first album with Is There Something I Should Know on it, their new single. Right. And I feel like that's kind of what Billy did here. It was it was on the album Don't Stop, mm-hmm. which is an EP, actually. I, and I guess it came out before the Billy Idol record did. Like the right. which we consider his right. debut album, but yeah. on that, I mean, it had Moni Moni and it had Dancing with Myself. So I mean, you know, if you're a Billy Idol fan, you probably wanted to have that. But then in America, they re-release it to include Dancing with Myself, and then it does better, obviously. And then I think they, they I think they reissued or re-released that Moni Moni track because that was a hit. 
later, later. on. I think, that was a, I think that was a number one hit, like in 88 or 87, something like that. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. It was later. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they just pull for, hey, Billy Idol's hot? Great. Give me this, you know? Yeah. Sure. So, all right. So, daytime drama. I like it. Four minutes long. Let's move on. Third track is Eyes Without a Face. Mm-hmm. The second single released, and it was backed with The Dead Next Door, which is, I believe that's the last song on the album, and oh, trust me, we'll get to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting title, Eyes Without a Face. They probably told me this at some time in the 80s, but I didn't pay attention. It was a French horror film, 1960 French horror film, The You Sans Visage, which is what you hear them, you hear a girl singing in the background uh-huh. during the chorus. Right. Eyes without, let you That's actually his longtime girlfriend. What's her name? Uh, Perry, Perry Lister. Yeah. That's actually her singing that. I did not know. This is chill mm-hmm. and cool. It, it's it's much different from Rebel Yell and the electronic, I don't know if you call them claps. They're kind of drum beats, but it's pop, pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're iconic. I mean, they make the song. And it's it's an interesting deal too, because he's singing very low and kind of like, it's almost like dreamy with that, you know, the, mm-hmm. I guess, keyboard part in the back. And it, it, it doesn't sound anything like the first single. True. Absolutely. And you had, and back then you had no idea what she was saying. As hard as you would listen to that, you were never going to figure that out. Not to mention it's in French and I'm 10 and, you know, I don't know any French. Exactly. I still don't. Still, I still don't care to, to be honest (laughs) with you. Sivu play. All right. But no, look, when they, they make a little change of pace in it because it's Mm -hmm. cool. It's a mellow song and he can kind of sneer and do that eyes without a face thing. But then some hot guitar work comes Mm -hmm. up from Steve when they do a little change of pace there in the middle. And then Billy does, I guess you'd have to call it some rap there. I didn't see it that way. Spoken word. Yeah. Because we didn't know what rap was. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. he's recording this at like Electric Ladyland. He's in New York making this album, and rap is everywhere up there mm-hmm. back in the day. I I still don't really see it that way. It's 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 a change of pace, and he's got a he's not singing that bit really. He's right. he's kind of talking it through there. But I think it's cool. It's a cool part of the song. It went to number four in the Hot 100, so that's a pretty big hit in mm-hmm. the U.S. and actually made it to 18 in the U.K. So you know it got on top of the pops, and some people saw the video, and the video was nominated at the MTV Awards. It was nominated for cinematography and editing back when they used to. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to make it into like, these are small films, so we got to have those kind of awards. Eventually, they figured out, you know, we don't really need those kind of things. We need, you know, best female pop artist, best duo, that kind of stuff. We don't need like the technological. Nobody cares about those. Well, when when I was watching these things, I was thinking about our conversation with Steve Kilby and, and how much these things must have cost back then. Because you're right, they were mini movies and they had to come in and do sets and lighting. and Yeah. And have extras in there and then do the editing and everything else. I mean, it worked on this one because I'm sure it moved copies. But I think when you go back and look at a lot of these early videos, they probably spent a lot of money on a song you've never even heard before. 
Yeah, but you're probably right about that. But this one worked. I mean, look, the video is him up close for most mm-hmm. of it, like him sneering and stuff. They're on some kind of a set. But then, hey, here comes Steve. And then, oh, here comes some girls slapping mm. their butts, scantily yeah. clad. All right. <laughs> then there's this big studio where there's like a shot. It's like a crane shot 20 feet above him coming down. And then at the end, it's like it looks like there's lava erupting behind okay. him yeah. or something. And he's pumping his fists or whatever. And my note was, it's not that weird for 1983. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's, it fits in. It with does. What else was going on? Yeah, you know, it's like you said. Well, what's that about? Why are they doing that? No, no, you can't think like that. You know, you just kind of have to go with it. <laughs> and there's Stephen all black next to him. Yeah, there is actually. I think there, there's a extended version of this somewhere, and it's got more of the guitar solo, which I will never say no to. That's right. That's for sure. Now back to the movie. Apparently, mm-hmm. it's a movie about a surgeon, like a plastic surgeon, whose daughter was horribly disfigured in a car accident. So he needs pieces of people's faces to put her back together. So uh, instead of like waiting for people to die, he goes out and murders the people, (laughs) takes their pieces and then sticks them back on the girl that hence the eyes without a face Mm -hmm. name. Didn't know the French went that that deep on the horror side, but uh, it, it sounds pretty awful to me. And then you're sitting around in what, I guess, 82 thinking we got to write some songs. You know what would be a great idea for a song? What's that? I was watching this French horror movie last night. Uh, okay. Why and sure? It's a very odd idea where that came from. Very odd. But then also, apparently, uh, it kind of deals with Billy's infidelity. Because he was, you know, he's a rock star. He can't help it that girls are coming at him from every direction. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, especially when he's out on the road... Sorry, Perry. He gets his jollies elsewhere. But I'm all out of hope. One more bad dream could bring a fall when I'm far from home. Don't call mm-hmm. me on the phone to tell me you're alone. Easy to see, easy to tease, but hard to get release. At least on the phone it is. Whereas, hey, if I'm in New York City, <laughs> eh, there's right. girls everywhere. So I guess it kind of had a little bit to do with that. So now we're back to it's not just yeah. it's not it's not just this this horror picture thing. It's also, yeah, there's sex everywhere. And what do you want me to do? Turn it down. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. But there's a, this is a a song with a lot of stuff going on. The more that you listen to it, you can hear there's like an acoustic track kind of in the background. There's the the keyboards. This is, this is very heavily orchestrated for a pop song in the early eighties. Yeah. And that's why Steve Stevens deserves a lot of credit. Here. Right. There's lots of layers on this. And it's, I wouldn't even call this. Necess- I feel like rebel yell is a Billy Idol song. I feel like this could have been a hit for a lot of different people. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I would, I'd be interested to see somebody else's take on this, but you're right. It's not, it, it's, it's his song and it always will be, but yes, other people couldn't have sung rebel yell, but this one, I believe that you're correct. But don't you think Robert Palmer could have sung? sung yeah. Song? Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I like that. I like the thing too, where he's, it, it kind of fades out with like the, the phaser at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Steve's great. Steve's correct. great on this one. No doubt. Okay. Just skipping along to the last mm-hmm. song on the first side, because this was a cassette era album, right. no doubt about it. And we start with Blue Highway. And again, great rock riff to start this from Steve. Perfectly mm-hmm. fits the album. Yeah. Th- this is more of like, I've got uh, the nice rock uh, riff intro, but the key- the keyboards are 80s cheese. <laughs> gotcha. No, there's, to me, I put, sounds like an 80s montage song from an 80s movie, you know? Yeah. Like, 
we we got to build the boat to win the race like they they put this on it and it fits it fits right in you know in the usa It almost sounds like they they had this, and then they're like, "Well, we need some lyrics for it," and uh, like right now. And so you kind of just threw some stuff together. But I'll tell you that whatever it is on a blue highway gets stuck in your head because the rest of the day I'm like, I'm taking the trash out on a blue highway. <laughs> right. I'm walking the dog on a blue, blue highway. highway. Like, damn, that gets stuck <laughs> in my head. Yeah, we're gonna ride on the blue ho- highway. Yeah, walk with Electro Glide on the blue highway. Hence my comment about, like, we need these lyrics right now. Uh, okay. <laughs> what rhymes? But isn't that like a lube that you need to help things along in the bedroom, the glide? Okay. <laughs> yes, I Perhaps. almost died on the blue highway. Yeah, well, go back to the whole <laughs> VD, VD thing comment again. from yes, before. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we need 38 gallons of penicillin to go on tour. <laughs> Are uh, you singing Quaaludes and Red Wine for Love? Yes, there's time, a time for love. Can you kiss me on a blue highway? Why do I miss you? How do I kiss you? It's sexual. I'm not really sure exactly what it's all about. But, <laughs> you know, pretty good riff. Very 80s. Mm-hmm. Was the B-side to what? It's Flesh for Fantasy. It was okay. the B-side to Flesh for Fantasy. So, I mean, m- everything on this album except for Do Not Stand in the Shadows or in the Shadow. Everything on here was released as a single, either, either as an A-side or a B-side. So, oh, so n- yeah, no waste on this one. Yeah, you were exposed. You were exposed. Well, I don't know if we'll go that far, but we, we were exposed <laughs> to everything at some point on this. And it's the longest song on the record, The Blue Highway. So it kind of goes on for a little bit, but that's the first side, not quite 19 minutes. And the second side is barely over 19 minutes. So you're talking about 38 total minutes mm-hmm. on this record. With four singles that charted in America, it's actually fairly impressive. Yeah, nice, tight, compact package here. Because, uh, yeah, these, these songs really can't be that much longer or you would get tired of them. Absolutely. All right, so I, yeah, so we're, we're moving on to the second side here. And the third single, Flesh for Fantasy. Mm-hmm. What do you remember when this one came out? Because obviously, I, I, when you say flesh for fantasy, there's a lot of sexual connotation there. Right. I, I don't, I mean, I remember seeing this video later on, but I can't tell you I saw it too many. I don't think they played this too many times during the day in 83, because there's, this is, this one's kind of heavy duty. Yeah. You see and feel my sex attack. Yeah. They may not put that on it too. You might have to be eight or nine at night before they Correct. put that on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, there's some, there's, there's a part where he's like standing in, like, I don't think it's a pentagram, but it, it, in these flames and what's going on on this thing. I, I, this was not a daytime offering. I don't think. No, but it still did pretty well here in America. Mm-hmm. It was 29 on the hot 100 was eight on mainstream rock. So we definitely heard it and saw it on MTV. Mm-hmm. However, it is home country of the UK 54. Huh? So it didn't really go anywhere. So most people didn't even see this video in the UK anyway. That's interesting because, I mean, right off the bat, that bass is just sexy when it comes in and, and you know, the kind of the guitar kind of floats on top. And I can't tell you why it wasn't a bigger hit in the UK. When will you call? I'm experienced. 
Yeah, no, Sal Cuevas played bass on this one. The bass is good. Bass is yeah. solid on this. It's really good. It's a little higher end video, I feel like, you know, and mm-hmm. has, has some sexy dancers, male and female, but, you know, kind of doing their thing throughout. And then it's to me, the video is about the sexy dancers and his sneer. And that's yeah. what the video is all about. Uh, another old movie called Flesh and Fantasy, which he changed to Flesh for fantasy i mean look the whole album as we've said it to me is very sexual it's mm-hmm. just there he's not even hiding it anymore <laughs> it's like there's no double entendre here this is just like straight ahead flesh <laughs> but he can sing he's not just a rebel right. yeah. yeah he can actually sing so he can pull something like this off he can pull something like eyes without a face off and um i think this this d- track i mean no offense to steve but i think this track definitely benefits from somebody who is a bass player because you get that like slap bass going on about midway through mm-hmm. and it just it just adds it doesn't sound like anything else on this record so it, it, it kind of stands out as a, a standalone track I think that's fair enough. I think that now you mentioned Steve and obviously his contributions to this album and to Billy's career are mm. huge. But the next song, Catch My Fall, this is the only solo right for Billy on the album. Right. Everything and- else is co-written by Steve, but this one, this is his. Did he have this in Gen X or did he just do this on his own? That Well, that's what I was kind of thinking. Like, why would you have like, so you, you're writing songs with Steve and all of a sudden you just decide, oh, I'm going to write one on my own. I gotta believe this was this was hanging around from before and that he they either they reworked it or he, he finished it off or something because i i do find it odd that he there is no coat right on this yeah i mean i i really like this one to to be honest with you i don't know it just it kind of had a cool vibe to it i feel like mm-hmm. i never saw the video back in the day but it's kind of an upbeat song and catch my fall if i should stumble well that's like if i'm making a mistake if i'm screwing up but it's still upbeat. It's not like, oh, yeah, I screw up and I need your help. It's more like, catch my fall. Catch my fall, yeah. If I should stumble. Catch my fall. Catch my fall. If I should stumble. Catch my fall. If I should stumble. I don't know. It's got a nice rhythm to it. It's got a nice melody to it. Went 24 mainstream rock. Went 50 in the top 100, but did not chart in the UK. Mm. And maybe this was one too, where they, you know, people were thinking, "This is not punk. What is he doing now? He's selling out." But I've got a, uh, I've got a note here. This is 1983. You knew the sax was going to show up sooner or later. <laughs> exactly. And here we are. And here we are. It's no. The guy had a funny name. Mars Williams. On sax, which, and I put, which was big during this time. I'm like, <laughs> yes, you, you had a lot of sax on a lot of pop <laughs> tunes in the 80s. That's that's for sure. Now, is this one about infidelity? When I screw up, when I stumble, yeah. I, I need you there to catch my fall. Like, Don't worry about what happens on the road, honey. Just be there when I get home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as videos go, this is the weird one. I think this is the one like they didn't plan for basically yeah because it like he's he's in i think at the beginning he's in the bed and yeah. for some reason he's sleeping with a glove on which yep. why wouldn't you right. at that point in time and then yeah like i think he like steve shows up for the solo and they're in the woods or something yeah. i don't know what's going on with, with all the that. drummer and then everybody's yeah. paces are painted yeah almost like a david bowie kind of a thing except you know 
not as fairy dust and more like monster movie kind of yeah. thing. And then he's in the shower washing it all off. Mm-hmm. It's odd. I mean, <laughs> even for 1984, it's odd, man. It is to me. And I don't remember ever seeing it. No, I don't. I, I don't really even remember hearing the song, to be honest with you. And then it was it was a single. And so, I, I mean, I listened to it for this uh, show, but I don't remember hearing it back in the day. Honestly, I may not have heard it till I got Vital Idol, and it's the last song on the album. Uh, okay. Of course, it's, I mean, this is like a lot of like dance remixes, so it's it's longer, right? I mean, Catch My Fall on the record is three minutes and 40 some odd seconds on vital idol it's about six okay so and look that was the thing guys like billy idol their songs we played in dance clubs Mm -hmm. in the 80s now you have to be a rapper or a pop princess whatever kind of thing but rock bands could have dance remixes especially uk rock bands back in the day here and i think that's kind of what we're seeing I don't know. I, I like this one. It, it fits in with you. the record. Yeah, Definitely. it does grow on yeah. you. Yeah, because yeah, the first time I remember the first time I heard, it, I was like, meh, whatever. And then yeah, the, you get about three or four more listens into it. Okay, yeah, it starts to it starts to grow on you. And the sax, honestly, I think this is the only track that has it. It's fine for one track. <laughs> it is. I'll accept it, it. It yeah, it makes sense within the song. It's not like they threw this in here. It's like oh what, right. How did Madness get onto a Billy Idol <laughs> record? But you know. I have the time, so I will sin. I'm just a boy, but I will win. Lots Lost songs of lovers and fellow travelers leave me sad and hollow. In other words, yeah, I'm out there to screw everything, but sometimes on the road it feels empty, and I miss you, <laughs> sweetheart. You forgive me, right? Yeah, yeah. I've trusted it and broken my own word just to keep me free in this mad, mad world. So if I screw up on the road, just give me a break and take me back. It'll be the best thing for all of us. Okay. You know this how this this is how it works. This is yes. Exactly. If you don't know, you really shouldn't be dating a rock and roller. <laughs> Especially one who looks like him and behaves like him. Correct. I mean that's crazy. Yeah, hi there. This is Martin Popoff, scribbler of many, many rock books. You're listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London. All right, so and now if you look at it, man, first six songs of the album, four of them are singles that charted in America. And the other two were pretty decent songs. So like, okay, this is kind of a masterpiece, right? Mm. Okay, well, now (laughs) we start kind of making a little bit of a left turn here because I got to tell you, the rest of these are not phenomenal. And two of them are B-sides and one of them, Mm -hmm. well, didn't even make that. Let's start with Crank Call, third song on the second side. Mm -hmm. Another good riff. Yeah, correct. Another good riff. Correct. This one is, I was trying to think, you know, what can I say about this song? This is a lot simpler. It's it's more straight ahead, which is with the riff and then into into the bass and the drums. I, I have a thing on here. I wonder if this was old as well, because it doesn't really sound like anything else on this record. And if this was the whole thing, this would not have been a very good record. There's there's not really a whole lot going on on this. No, there's not. And what is the song about, man? Are, are you pissed because someone crank calls you and you're waiting for a girl to call you to go get laid? Uh-huh. I don't, I'm not sure I understand it. I mean, I understand you get a crank call. Oh, man, ugh, that's not cool. And you get pissed off. You really write a song about it? And you're like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I get it, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
Yeah, this this kind of feels like they needed something else to. You can't have a twenty two minute album. So what else is hanging around? Let's just throw this on. Let's kind of you know work this one up and then put it on to round out the record. I don't know. I, I think that was the last song, but we'll we'll get to that. Well, later. that's yeah. <laughs> Very shortly here. Uh huh. I mean, but people heard a B side of Rebel Yell, and you know, uh, had several different B sides on some of the twelve inches and whatever. And sometimes they throw in like an older song on there, like a White mm-hmm. Wedding or something like that. But I mean, Crank Call, yeah, that's that's the B side. Like, yeah, this is a B side, all right. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. But I mean, I remember that was a thing before there was caller ID and all this stuff. Someone calls, you have no idea who it is. Right. And you have no idea to find out. There's no Star 69 where you just nope. say, did you just call Crank Call? Now, if someone wants to call you and say ridiculous things or nasty things or whatever, that was a thing. And the goofy kids, I can't say I did it a lot. Maybe I would do it to my friends just to mess with them. But like just dialing random numbers. Yeah, you numbers weren't calling and- random numbers, no. Because that, that was a way. If they if anybody found out you were really doing that, yes, you would have gotten your head handed to you. Yeah, it's and it's kind of dumb. I mean, it's like, gosh, we need to get these kids a hobby. Can't you just like... <laughs> Can't you give them MTV? Get MTV and they'll watch that. They won't be crank calling everybody. Correct. I don't know. All right. But the next song, Mm -hmm. do not, in parentheses, stand in the shadow. This was the only song that didn't make it as an A or B side of a single. Again, hey, cool bit of guitar work from Steve at the start. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, this one has kind of what I think is a pretty cool message about getting out there and living life. I had never heard this song before. And so I would, and again, you know, Unfortunately, you get to be biased after a while doing this, thinking, well, this is the second to last song. You know, this can't be very good. I kind of like this thing. To me, this is the most punk sounding song on the record. They've kind of updated it a little bit, but it definitely has that punk feel to it. And the message, you know, like you said, do not stand in the shadows. I I like this song. Yeah, mom and dad had they fooled, had, thought they had me fooled, but I was thinking, nope, not at all. You know, and don't stand in the dark without a light. You know, get out there and and make mm-hmm. your name. And like, no preachers, no teachers. Forget all that. They ain't here. Yeah, you know. Let me hear you say you're alive and you're living with me. You know, it's like I I, I like this one. It's it's kind of shocking that this is the one. And, and unless they were thinking this could have been a single and it just didn't quite make the grade versus mm-hmm. the other four, they did not make it a B side because it's it's better than a B side. In I think so opinion. too. Yeah. yeah. And it, this is a nice one to find and a nice album cut to find on this thing. Yeah. This is the kind of a real gem. I mean, squeeze between crank call and the dead next door. Like this deserves better treatment than that, <laughs> to be honest with you. Honestly, at least I get this one crank call. I just pissed at people for making crank calls. I still just don't really get it. But this one, and it's funny because this has the parentheses on it, right? It's parentheses mm-hmm. do not. And then the song is stand in the shadows, just like it's for blue Esther Cole. It's parentheses. Don't fear. Yeah. The Reaper. Mm-hmm. So go to your echo or your Alexa and ask for blue Oyster Cult. Don't fear the Reaper. It'll say, don't fear the Reaper by blue Oyster Cult <laughs> does the exact same thing here. Do not stand in the shadows by Billy Idol. I think you're, you're putting the wrong emphasis. 
<laughs> on the wrong syllable. <laughs> I'm a fat, stupid American. What do you want from me? <laughs> right. But no, I, I, I like this one. It was it was a cool one because, like I said, neither of us owned this album. So we didn't listen to this back and back, back right. to, to front. Heard half of the album on the radio or on MTV at some point, mm-hmm. but weren't familiar with the whole thing. And to find this one, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is kind of cool. And it has that kind of punk ethos that young person mm-hmm. we're not going to take it let's get out there and make a life we don't need all these people telling us what to do i like it and that's that's part of the problem too on this record is you know if you if you look at it in the record store you would think well i've already heard half of this thing why would i buy the rest of it it's only 38 minutes long and i'll go do something else well that may i don't know i just feel like once you get to the three single threshold mm-hmm. then it's then it's worthy of of, of being purchased like yeah one single, okay, like everybody, anybody could have one hit single and the rest of the album could be crap. Two, I've got to at least consider buying it at that point. Uh-huh. But once there's three and that's a third of the album, it's like, okay, I already know a third of this. Let's get it. Let's <laughs> let's jam out to those and let's hear what, what the rest of them are. Until you get to... Now for the big outro. Yeah. Never heard this one before. The Dead Next Door. Nope. And you're not missing much. It's super slow. There's a ton of synth on here. Uh-huh. And I don't even know. Is this about a neighbor dying of heat stroke? I, <laughs> I, I honestly do not know. Well, my thing is, okay, so, you know, we start off slow. Okay, but we're going to get going here. Any second now, we are going to get any, it's just him talking. And then it just ends. Like there is no, there's no middle and there's no bridge or anything like that. It's just the kind of the guitar picking him delivering the vocals. And then that's the end of the record. One error, silent terror. And with the dead next door. The heat of the day fades away. And then that's the end of the record. Yeah, it kind of fades out. And I don't really know what it's about. I mean, this is kind of an odd one. This this to me more than anything else says filler. This to me yeah. says, uh-huh. we, okay, we've only got 34 minutes. We got to have more. Uh-huh. What do you guys got? And they come up with this because you um, hold on, literally hold on two and a half minutes and we'll be right back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's it. I think, well, I think that was part of the problem too back then is, you know, you had LPs and then you had EPs. And if it, if it wasn't long enough, you couldn't charge the same amount of money. So you had to have a certain time length. Yes. For it to be considered a full-length album. Absolutely true. And yeah, it was probably getting close to not being long enough. But so, yeah, that's that's kind of, the, that's where I come out on this one. And I still am not really sure what it's about, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I really couldn't find any notes on this thing. Like, I looked all over the place and like, you can find lyrics, but that's about it. So, all right, you're right. Let's find the lyrics. Watch the sky for a reason why I was safe here. Sunday was hot. Monday was not for the dead next door. One error, silent terror. And we're the dead next door. I don't, I don't know what that means. (laughs) I don't get it. Heat of the day fades away, fades into night, suffering away for the dead next door. I don't ghosts don't die. Ghosts don't cry. I don't get it. 
but you know, hey, they had to round out the album some way, mm-hmm. and and they did it. And it's double platinum in the USA. It's their number one. It's his number one selling album in the U.S. Bigger than Vital Idol. Bigger than Whiplash Smile. Bigger mm-hmm. than Charmed Life. Bigger than anything he ever did afterwards. And while it was double platinum in the U.S., I think it was five times platinum in Canada or something like they really love Billy in Canada. They, they just get him there. I guess platinum in New Zealand sold well in Australia, gold Germany, but in the United Kingdom, no love for their man, (laughs) Billy, at least not on this one. And and this would be kind of the end of his run. Well, not really, because you, you mentioned he did have cradle of love and that kind of got him back on the charts in, in the late eighties, early nineties. But this was the last time he would work with Stevens for a while. It makes me happy that they're still together today doing their thing because to me, there is no Billy Idol without Steve Stevens. If he's not there, I, I'm not interested at all. Absolutely true. Now he did work with him on whiplash smile, the 86 album. Oh, okay. Uh, which, which had to be a lover on there mm. and had a uh, sweet 16 on there. He didn't write all the songs with him. Like he had before. Mm-hmm. Um, he only wrote about, you know, co-wrote about half of them or something like that. But at any rate, yeah. And Keith Forsey was their engineer or the and producer. And they kind of worked together through this early eighties period into the mid eighties. And then eventually I, th- I don't know, did they have a falling out or Steve just had other things he could go do? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if maybe Billy was looking to do other things, you know, like you mentioned, he was in the doors movie. Was he looking to be like an actor or more of an entertainer? I don't know, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if they ever had a fall out or they just kind of went their separate ways for a while uh, or maybe he didn't like steve working with other people i mean he worked on the rico Kasich solo album this side of paradise mm. that had the big you know hit emotion in motion on it okay which came out the same time as whiplash but maybe he's like oh i don't like that steve is is working with other people i don't know mm. i haven't ever seen anything that they really said you and you went their separate ways yeah maybe you just grew apart after a while maybe steve's like it's crazy in billy idol world like (laughs) too much sex and too much drugs i don't know he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who'd be tired of too much sex but at any rate it it was a it, it worked right it was it was a partnership that worked that was huge for billy and can still go to this day when i was in the uk which it seems like so long ago but i you know it was less than a year and a half ago that I last mm-hmm. lived there. Billy was doing a, an arena tour while I was there. Okay. Whereas I don't think he could pull off an arena tour in the U.S. Even with Steve, I I, I, I don't think that that's right. He, he would it would have to be like a double bill or something like that. No, he couldn't he couldn't sell out arenas in the United States by himself. Like I mean, you want to talk about like the joint in Vegas or something like that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But no, it would it would have to be part of something else here. Yeah, uh, that's the way I see it. He would have to Mm. be part of another 80s, and I don't know who would be good for it, or or he would have to open for somebody. Yeah, He could could open for Duran Duran. I would go see that. That would be awesome. Yeah, see? You know, I could book (laughs) some tours, man. I could promote some tours. But uh, yeah, but so that's his legacy, really, in America. He was a video Mm -hmm. idol. More than a radio idol, he was a video idol. Without MTV, I don't think Billy Idol, between MTV and Steve Stevens, that's why Billy Idol is so big in the U.S. and big in pop culture. I think without those two things, Billy goes away. We never hear from him again. Yeah, he he would have made, you know, one or two records, had maybe one or two singles, and that would have been about it. You're right. Those two things propelled him to being able to still be a, a star today. But I'm glad... I'm glad he did it. He was a, an important part of 80s 
rock culture. He's an important part of MTV. And, you know, like you said, he's in The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler, his ode (laughs) to the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. You see that face, you see that spiky hair, you know who it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, thinking about what else you were watching at the same time, as much as I love Duran Duran, Billy Idol was more, he was a little more dangerous. He was a little more nasty and Mm -hmm. a little more rock than a lot of the stuff that they were playing in heavy rotation back then. It's true. It's true. So he set the tone. He had an attitude. The sneer was very Mm -hmm. Elvis-like, and yet it was completely modern. And he he had that British cool, too. Exactly. And I guess for the UK, he's not British cool. I I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's like, no, is he a punk and we don't want that anymore? He's trying Mm -hmm. to do something different, and we like people to stay in the lanes we've already set them up in. The fact that they just didn't have MTV and you didn't see him all the time, it, it makes a huge difference seeing them all the time. Yeah. Ask Duran Duran. They got in the top whatever all the time in the UK. And so people saw those videos, but mm-hmm. not the way we did have it MTV 24 hours a day, man. Right. And that's why I'm glad we decided to do this because it, thinking back on this, this was a very important record in the early MTV development days. And I'm kind of shocked, to be honest with you, that it only went double platinum. I mean, I know going double platinum is a big deal. And thanks to MTV, there's a lot of stuff out there that mm-hmm. people can get into. And thanks to one video, you could go platinum. But I, I would, if you would have asked me, I would have said this was four or five times platinum anyway. I, I would have probably said the same thing, especially with four singles off of it. It's been 40 years since Rebel Yell by Billy Idol was released on us and became a huge success in the U.S. and other parts of the world. Maybe not in his homeland of the U.K. And I have to believe that is at least in part to the fact that you didn't have MTV. You didn't have 24-7 music channel, which just needed content. It needed stuff to put out there all day long and all night long. And Billy is a striking image. He is quite the character. Looks great in a video. Even if he's scary to some, that's perfect to others. He gets bad press, put him on MTV even more. And these songs by Billy and Steve Stevens were perfect for that time in pop rock music history. MTV was big for Billy Idol. Billy Idol was big for MTV. A match made in heaven, if you will. And that's why it's so big in the U.S., but maybe not quite as big in the U.K., at least not at the time. I have a feeling that he's caught up since. But we're glad he's still around, alive and kicking. Glad he and Steve are still working together. And I'm glad that they made this Rebel Yell album because it's really the one that allowed both of them to really continue working together to this day. So as usual, folks, we want to know, did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss the point? Did we leave out your favorite part? Let us know. Got an email. It's UglyAmericanWerewolf at gmail.com. Let us know the bands, the albums, the concerts, the books, the DVDs, the rock properties you want to hear us talk about here on the show. Best place is Twitter. It's at Ugly underscore Werewolf or at ActionJack72. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're on Threads, which means we're on Facebook somehow. Look for Mac Wolf and look for Ugly American Werewolf in London. You'll find us. Please follow us. Let us know what you're up to. Please download, subscribe wherever you like to get your podcast. Doesn't matter where. Apple, Spotify, Good Pods. Please do that. And if you're thinking about it, guys, please give us a positive review. It just makes a huge difference to us. It helps us find more rock fans like you and connect with people all around the world who love rock music. Thanks, as always, to Pantheon Pods for supporting us. And thanks to our sponsor, RareVinyl.com. Holidays, guys. 
You got to get stuff for your loved ones. You got to get some stuff for yourself so you know you'll get something you actually want. Go to rarevinyl.com, use code UGLY, and save yourself 10%. More 80s fun to come next week, and you'll have to tune in for that. But until then, to all you rockers all around the world, be cool and keep doing what you do to keep rock alive. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.